Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 227 of The Informed Catholic, episode 227. And I'm going to do the readings for the fourth week of Advent, Tuesday, Tuesday, the fourth week of Advent. So please subscribe and share to this podcast. It would be a great help. It would let Spotify Anchor know that you like this podcast and it would they would have it distributed even more so let's begin with our prayer in the name of the father son and holy spirit i confess to almighty god and to you my brothers and sisters that i have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what i have done and what i have failed to do through my fault through my fault through my most grievous fault therefore i ask blessed mary ever virgin and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, Christe elision, kiri elision, kiri elision, kiri elision. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And now with our uh, Advent prayer. Be comforted, be comforted, my people. Your salvation comes quickly. Why with grief are you, are you consumed? For sorrow has stricken you. I will save you. Fear not, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel your Redeemer. Drop do you heavens from above, and let the clouds rain the just one. O God, who gladdens us by the annual expectation of our redemption, grant that we, who now receive with joy your only begotten Son as our Redeemer, may behold him without fear when he comes as our judge, even the same Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Okay, so now we're going to go into the readings for December 22nd. It's Tuesday. The entrance antiphon is from Psalm 24. O gates, lift high your heads. Grow higher, ancient doors. Let him enter the King of glory. O gates, lift high your heads. Grow higher, ancient doors. Let him enter the King of glory. And the prayer. O God, who seeing the human race fallen into death, will to redeem it by the coming of, our, of your only begotten Son, grant, we pray, that those who confess his incarnation with humble fa uh, favor may merit his company as their Redeemer, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. And now we will have the uh, the first reading is from the first book of Samuel, chapter 1, verse 24 to 28. Hannah gives thanks for the birth of Samuel. A reading from the book of Samuel. In those days, Hannah brought Samuel with her, along with three-year-old bull and an apa of flour and a skin of wine, and presented him 
at the temple of the Lord to Shiloh. In, in, I'm sorry, in Shiloh. After the boy's father had sacrificed the young bull, Hannah, his mother, approached Eli and said, Pardon, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood near you, here praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted my request. Now I in turn give him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be dedicated to the Lord. She left Samuel there. One more time, I'll read it. A reading from the first book of Samuel. In those days, Hannah brought Samuel with her, along with a three-year-old bull and an ephah of flour and a skin of wine and presented him at the temple of the Lord in Shiloh. After the boy's father had sacrificed a young bull, Hannah, his mother, approached Eli and said, Pardon, my lord, as you live, my lord, I am the woman who stood near you here praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted my request. Now I in turn give him to the Lord as long as he lives, and he shall be dedicated to the Lord. She left Samuel there. Uh, let's stop here for a minute. It, this is really interesting. Now, if, if they didn't give us the past story of how the two of them met each other, that is the high priest Eli. Uh, he's a descendant of Aaron. And Hannah was at the entrance of the uh, the tent, which was the portable temple at that time. It was the, the tabernacle. And she prayed. Uh, her lips were moving. But she wasn't, there was no sound coming out of her voice. She was basically whispering her prayers because she was barren. Uh, she was the second um, the second wife uh, to this man, uh, who her husband, um, uh, the boy's father, he had another wife, but she was a concubine and she had no children and she was slowly going on with years, similar to uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth herself and Sarah, the wife of Abraham. And the the high priest thought she was drunk, you know. He thought she was drunk. I remember the story. He, you know, he thought she was drunk because he thought she was babbling. And she told him, "I'm not drunk. I'm praying that the Lord could bless me with a baby." And you know, and then several, it happened. You know, she she miraculously she conceived. You know, the Lord blessed her with a baby. You notice these stories here. You see, you see, it, it gives you proof that we are a people of life. We, know, we are a people that believe in life, in new life. All right? Any Catholic who tells you that they can, you can be a pro-choice Catholic is lying to you. They're trying to have their, 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 you know, they want to have the feel good of religion, but they want to have their own, they want to go against God at the same time. Now, it's very simple. Just don't get pregnant. Just, just, just try to practice being, you know, being chaste. And that's, and, and, and it's, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of these people, they don't want to pre-moral because they think that religion is evolving. Like we have a, uh, we have a, a Darwinian religion that's evolving, 
you know, like as though the, the rest of us who are Orthodox and believe in the faith, they're trying to call us Neanderthals because you're not an evolving person. You know, you have to understand your religion is evolving, you know, which is why they change Bibles. They come up with these bad Bibles with, with politically correct language because they're trying to manipulate their religion. They don't really believe in God. They'll talk about God like some kind of like, you know, psychological thing, basically. They're using therapy on you. you know, that God is, doesn't have to be real. He can just be, you can be what you believe in, your values. That's God to them. And that's what they'll tell you. It's nonsense. All right, let's go to the response to your psalm. All right, it's actually from First Samuel. Chapter 2, verse 1, 4, 5, 6, and 7 verses. And the response is, My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in my God. I have swallowed up my enemies. I rejoice in my victory. My heart exalts in the Lord, my Savior. The bow of the mighty are broken, while the tottering grid on the strength. The well-fed hire themselves out for bread, while the hungry batten in on, on spoil. The barren wife bears seven sons, while the mother of many languishes. My heart exalts in the Lord, my Savior. The Lord puts to death and gives life. He casts down to the netherworld. He raises up again. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He humbles, he also exalts. My heart exalts in the Lord, my Savior. He raises the needy from the dust. From the dung heap, he lifts up the poor to seat them with nobles and makes a glorious throne their heritage. My heart exalts in the Lord, my Savior. All right, let me read this uh, all straight through. First Samuel chapter 2, verse 4, 5, 6, and 7, and to 8, to verse 8. My heart exalts in the Lord, in the Lord. My horn is exalted in my God. I have swallowed up my enemies. I rejoice in my victory. The bows of the mighty are broken, while the tottering grid on strength. The well-fed hire themselves out for bread, while the hungry batten on spoil. The barren wife bears seven sons, while the mother of many, many languishes. The Lord puts to death and gives life. He casts down the netherworld. He raises up again. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He humbles, he also exalts. He raises the needy from the dust, and from the dung heap he lifts up the poor, to seat them with nobles, and makes a glorious throne their heritage. My heart exalts in the Lord my Savior. Notice the, the verses here. All right. Um, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in my God. I have swallowed up my enemies. I rejoice my, I rejoice in my victory. Now, <clears throat> obviously, yes, in a historical context, it's talking about war. And this is obviously uh, talking about 
the, you know, going against your enemies, but also it can be temptations. We can remember that our own temptations are also our enemy. People who also may tempt us or the temptations that are targeted at us to bring us down. The bow of the mighty are broken while the tottering grid on the strength. The well-fed hire themselves out for bread while the hungry pat batten on, in, uh, on spoil. The Psalms can be read both literally and spiritually. You know, the mighty enemies, people who may attack your faith and people who may tempt you. The Psalms are an allegory. The Psalms uses symbolism. The Psalms use, um, I mean, basically you see that throughout all the, the scriptures and you see that right from the beginning. I am your stronghold, Abraham. I am your, your shield, your protector. We see that in the Psalms. The, the, the Lord is a mighty warrior. The Lord is a mighty, a mighty king. The Lord, uh, you know, the Lord, is, you know, rides a chariot. <clears throat> um, he, um, he's a stronghold, a fortress. Uh, and then you, t you, you hear like the enemies are, uh, he breaks the bow of the enemy. And, you know, these things can also be symbolisms of temptations, spiritual temptations, spiritual attacks, symbolism of satanic attacks that we go through, we suffer through. Um, you know, the, the enemy is like a prowling lion. The enemy is like a serpent. The enemy is like a dragon. The enemy is like a wolf. Things like that. You see that throughout all the Psalms where, you know, the, the, the psalmist, the poet is using, it is a poem. Yes. As, as a literary, it is a poem. And it's obvious it was written for music to be sung and chanted. And it is, you know, the, the Lord shatter, the, the Lord, the Lord comes and shatters the enemy, the enemy who comes and, and, and engulf me and swallows me. These are basically uh, he's in the the psalmist is describing the enemy as an army. He's using that an army, but he's also describing them as a satanic army. Because when you suffer through temptations, let's say if you're an addict, or you're um, uh, you're suffering through uh, spiritual temptations, a spiritual crisis, these things can be used. If you ever see the movie The Exorcist. You see, during the exorcism, the exorcist is using psalms. Psalms. He's using the book of psalms as, as weapons against the devil. And so, therefore, you could use them as weapons, you know, to, to defend yourself. And this is something we're taught to do often. Okay, so let's go to uh, now the next is the gospel reading. Okay, the Alleluia Antiphon. O King of all nations and keystone of the church, come and save man whom you formed from the dust. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke, the Mighty One has done great things for me. This is going to be Mary's Magnificat, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. And Mary said, 
My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm, and he has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and he has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham, his children forever. And Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. All right, so I'll read it one more time. Gospel according to Luke. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel for he, has rem for he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This is also, I mean, this is used during the liturgy of the hours in the evening. In the morning, morning prayer, they would, um, you, you would use the prayer of Zechariah called the Benedictus or the, the, the uh, blessed be the Lord. And in the evening, you would pray at the end of the Psalms would be uh, the Magnificat. And of course, there's also the, um, uh, the, um, prayer Simeon for nighttime prayer when you're before you're about to go to bed you would pray one or two psalms again and then you know it's you would go you know you would end your night with that with also an examination of conscience um you could also do it um I often do it um I I like I like the liturgy of the hours but the thing is I also like reading the bible and there's so much and you'll only have so many hours during the day that you have time to do it and often I hate to say this, but often at work I don't even get a time um, to pray my scriptures to 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 for myself because you know usually you're surrounded by coworkers and some coworkers um, want to talk to you or something. But that's okay. I mean that's I can do it on uh, on on my train ride train ride home. Hopefully it's a a smooth train ride. But what you could do is um, get the prayer cards or go online get a uh, print out the uh the prayer of zechariah the benedictus make a copy of it print it out uh take a ruler and cut it to match the um you know for your bible you could like actually tape it inside your bible you get a you know uh of you know a, a double sided uh tape and tape it to the empty pages uh, on the um, 
the entrance of your Bible. Like there's always a inside the cover on both ends, maybe find a comfortable spot, one for the morning and one for the evening. And you can, you know, you can keep it on uh, wherever you, you know, side of the Bible cover you want. And then, you know, you could use that at the uh, the end of your readings, like in the morning readings, when you first do your morning readings, you could pray that at the end. And then for the evening, uh, you could use that to pray in the, um, you know, uh, at the end of your, your evening readings when you have the time. And you could turn your Bible, that way you're making your Bible into your own liturgy of the hours. Basically, you could do it like that if you're comfortable with it. You know, you don't have to do it like that. You can do it any way you want comfortably, but that's a good way of doing it. Um, you know, and that's, I think it's uh, it's it's a great thing to try to keep make your own ritualistic, you know, your own routine. Maybe the word ritualistic is wrong, but routine. Have your own routine of of daily readings, daily prayer. But also it's important to try to to fit into your day your rosary prayers. You have to do that. All right, so let's go uh now to do the um the uh the day Christ was born. Let's get that done. All right, so the last time we left, we finally got introduced to the uh, the wise men. So we'll go back a little bit here in the, the book, The Day Christ Was Born. And so let's pick up right where we met them the first time. On the same night, a bright star appeared in the eastern sky. It came up majestically over the rim of the world, and it could be plainly seen through the trees of a forest in the mirror of a quiet lake by a blue pearl over a tawny desert, a gem of hope far at sea. It was seen by many and marked by few. The star came up blue-white in the orderly orbit of the heavens, and it seemed so large that it shed blue shafts of radiance. Three of the men who studied it were Caspar, Malchior, and Balthazar. They were rich Persians. In the southeast, they regarded the new star in the east and stroked their beards. And there was, they were wise men, scholars, who were referred to as the Magi and were known in Persia as philosophers scientists, astrologers, followers of Zoroastrianism, a creed which fought the worship of graven idols and believed that there was but one God for all men. The Magi were excited about the star. It had two phases of interest for them. One was the physical. Where did the star come from? And why had, why had it not appeared in the night sky before? The other was the symbolic. What message was the star trying to convey? The three wise men pondered these things and could come to no agreement on the first premise. One argued that it was not really a star, but a rare con conjunction of two or more stars. This could not be so, a second said, because if it were, their paths having converged, would soon part, and they would be seen as separate stars. A third said, "A third said that the star was really an unknown comet, appearing 
brilliantly in the eastern sky and doomed quickly to pass from view. Whether it was several stars, a planet in conjunction, or whether it was a fiery body without a visible tail, the star had special meaning. They were sure of this. They consulted some of the old astrological predictions and found that nothing could fit the situation. They tried some of the old Greek and Persian tracks but found nothing which might apply. It wasn't until they went over the ancient Jewish scriptures that the wise men saw the true meaning of the big star. There was an old prophecy of Balaam which said, I shall see him but not now. I shall behold him but not near. A star shall rise out of Jacob and a scepter shall spring up from Israel. The star then would mean that a, that, that a, uh, a savior of the Jews had been born. Malchior agreed that if the star could not be explained in any natural manner, this interpretation was important to the Jews. Oh no, said Balthazar, more than the Jews, because Balaam, the prophet who uttered these words near the end of the forty years working, was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. In fact, the words according to Scripture had been said in the mountains of Moab, east of Israel, toward Persia. If so, said Gaspar, then the fact that the star had been seen by Persians and properly interpreted by them would have an exciting meaning for the entire world. It was possible that the Messiah had come to save not only the Jews, but the Medes, the Assyrians, the Romans, the Babylonians, and savages of the far east. At once, the three wise men left their tents and determined to follow the star. They packed up food, water, and, a special, and special trappings of, of, of rich philosophers and started out on the camels to find the place of the king of kings. None of them expected, expected to reach the, desti the desti destination in one night, and there was some disagreement among them about whether the star would appear again in the following night so that its path could be traced toward dawn the big star was pale in the western sky and they turned their slow plodding camels towards it they moved across the sands of the desert with the rising sun behind them they pitched their tents by day and mounted again when the evening star turned deep blue and the big star came up again a brazen gem winking along the rim of the sky and the earth. If the portent was correct, and this star was foretold, the king of the Jews, then it was important to the Magi to see the king, to pay him homage and bring gifts. The trip occupied several days. They came through the passes of Moab and, and into Jericho, where the Dead Sea and the River Jordan meet, and they crossed the river and went up into Jerusalem. On the last night, they seemed to be almost under the big star. At its zinc, it seemed to be almost overhead. In the early evening, the three august uh, men went into the temple and stood as was required in the, in the outer court of the Gentiles. They addressed one of the 7,000 Levitical priests and asked, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? It was his star we saw in the east and have come to offer homage to him. The Magi appeared to be happy and, uh, and expectant, but the Levitical priest did not share their joy. He summoned 
The ranking members of the Sanhedrin and the Magi explained the new star and their interpretation of the happy sign. The high priest asked questions, frowned, and said that he knew nothing of such a sign. However, as a mark of respect to the rich visitors, he detailed their beliefs of the Jews about the Messiah. The Messiah, some of the which sounded to Gentile ears contradictory, one of the prophecies was, Behold, the virgin will be pregnant and give birth to a son who will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. There were others, the high priest said, one of which mentioned the town of David, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least of, the Ch of Judea's principalities, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel." This said, the wise men would appear to be the most promising clue, because as they approached Jerusalem, the star was close overhead. Bethlehem, five, five miles south of the holy city, would be a good place to go. They thanked the high priest and camped outside the walls for the night. It was decided that if their new king was not in Bethlehem, the wise men would make a few more inquiries and then turn homeward. And we'll end it here. This one, this part I always found fascinating. Uh, there's um, something I think you can get on Amazon called Star of Bethlehem. And it's very, very interesting how uh, you could um, you could look into it because it seemed, one thing's for sure. I mean, I like what Fulton Sheen said in his book. The star was actually seen as far away as India and China. And there's different ways you could read the star because there's also a star which um, Venus and Virgil, uh, those stars, uh, and how the conjunction between the Annunciation when, when Gabriel appeared to Mary and then how the stars began to change and shift. NASA itself, NASA can actually, they have a program where they can actually shift the stars back 2,000 years, and guess what? There was a conjunction. There was a celestial event that happened exactly at the time of the birth of Jesus. And it was right around September, around September, and the week of September the 25th. They have a program that they actually can do it calculating mathematically, shifting to uh, the, the, the celestials, um, stars to an exact date of that time and calculation because they can do it and it's really amazing all right so let's uh let's do our novena to our lady of lords in the name of the father son and holy spirit O ever immaculate virgin mother of mercy health of the sick refuge of sinners comfort of the, of the afflicted you know my wants my troubles and my sufferings cast upon me a look of mercy by appearing in the Grotto of Lourdes, you were pleased to make it a privileged sanctuary where you dispense your favors. You dispense your favors and where many sufferers have obtained the cure of their infirmities, both spiritual and corporal. I come, therefore, with the most unbounded confidence to implore your maternal intercessions. Obtain, O loving mother, the granting of my requests. Through gratitude for favors, I will endeavor to imitate your virtues that I may one day share your glory. Amen. 
Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. St. Bernadette, pray for us. And now the uh, Novena to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Sorry if I um, had to stop it. Unfortunately, it's a very noisy morning in Brooklyn <laughs> outside. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, once again, O most blessed Mother, heart of love, heart of mercy, ever listening, caring, consoling, hear our prayers as your children. We implore your intercessions with Jesus, your Son. Receive with understanding and compassion the petitions we place before you today, especially, and here we make our private intentions, We are comforted in knowing your heart and is ever open to those who ask for your prayers. We trust to your gentle care and intercession those whom we love and who are sick or lonely or hurting. Help all of us, Holy Mother, to bear our burdens in this life until we may share eternal life and peace with God forever and ever. Amen. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Immaculate Heart of Mary, pray for us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, Holy Mother of God, that we may be worthy of the promises of Christ. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. Amen. In the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right, so thank you, and uh, I'll be back with Wednesday's readings. So God bless.